Uh, Zach Heilprin joined us yesterday at 720, our sports director, talking uh, this. We'll get to the Packers coming up. But first, uh, I wanted to go through big games of the Wisconsin Badgers. So um, Zach said, believe the last time they were bigger underdogs was 1996 at Ohio State. Yep. The Badgers were 26 and a half point dogs in 1996. They ended up losing and they covered 17 to 14. Yeah, that I will say one thing about this upcoming game on Saturday. I would put all the money on the world. The score would not be 17 to 14 or that the total would be 31 points or under. Agreed. I I agree. Uh, Let's see here. The Badgers. If it is, though, Badgers are really right there. So the. The lines anywhere full. I saw 19 this morning, 18 and a half, like what, 18 and 19? I've seen it as high as 19, 19 and, and, a half. and a half. Jesus. All right, so 2019, the Badgers uh, were 16 and a half point dogs. The, oh, Iowa State? Yep. The final margin, 13 <laughs> points. Yep. Cover. In 2007, the Badgers were 16 points. The final margin was minus 21. To Ohio State? Mm. In 1997, there's the biggest spreads in order, or from biggest to lowest. Yes, right. Can I just guess who all these teams are going to be? Ohio State and Michigan. Oh no, yeah, I think you'd be. There wrong. are there's a, Michigan's on there a bunch, yes, and yeah. Ohio State's obviously on there a bunch. Yeah, okay. Uh, up next, 1997 is Penn State. Oh, yeah, that's the Badgers. Uh, fifteen and a half points. The final margin minus twenty five. Twenty nineteen, Ohio State again, fourteen and a half. The difference minus thirty one. I'm actually surprised some of these. Lines aren't actually coming from the 80s. 2009 Ohio State, 14 and oh, a half. They were, they were worse. The final margin, 18 points. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Wisconsin actually, was. They ba- probably weren't on the board. That's how bad Wisconsin like, was. That's what I'm 80s. saying. Wisconsin was not good in the 80s. Yeah. I'm surprised there weren't games against Ohio State's, Michigan's, those type of Big Ten teams where it wasn't like three touchdowns. I mean, that's when they were the team that got paid to go places. And, and I mean, heck, they had a home and home with Miami after Miami won the national championship and just got routed. See, being born in the early to mid nineties, I've only seen the Packers be really good. I've only seen the Badgers be good. Yeah. Uh, I will probably get paid back when I'm older in front of me. I'm sure of it. I have 17 of the biggest spreads. Wisconsin has faced from Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan, Oregon, um, is there Michigan state, LSU, Alabama, Nebraska. What would you say there? Is there a Michigan state on there? There is not a Michigan no. state okay. on this, on the 17 I have. And of the 17 games of them being um, dogs, they, let's see, you're covered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. And there was one push. So nice. out of the 17 of the biggest times been dogs. They covered nine times and been one push. Nice. So they've covered more times than they've Wouldn't not. you say, though, a lot of times, especially in the years that you named, those Wisconsin teams were kind of gritty? Okay, so... I, I don't know if I feel that way since 20, 2020. The, the, the oldest game was two from 1997, and then it shoots up to 2001, 2006, 2009, then there's a lot of the, the teens. But a lot of those years you named were Barry Alvarez, Brett Bielema, like in that time. Those teams were... Blue collar, hard nosed, gritty teams. I haven't felt that way about Wisconsin since 2019. That they're gritty. Yeah, well, I they got the like grit factory hat. I feel like in well, the trenches, they can't wear it in the they've kind of God. been soft. The offensive advertised. line hasn't been good. We see Keanu Benton calling out players. He, obviously, he's the best player on their defensive line. Yeah. Would you but, say there's less NFL talent on this go around now than? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And Ohio State arguably has more. Mm-hmm. 
Like we talked, we talked about it earlier this week. Ohio State might have five receivers that all get in the NFL on this roster. Wisconsin might not have five players on this roster. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, the list I have in front of me, of the 17 games that they were big dogs in, these are the biggest dogs they've been. They've only beaten these teams twice out of the 17. And that would be uh, 2001 Ohio State. Were you there for that? No. It was just before. Well, I, I mean, I was, was it at or did it say? What, it was away. I feel like no, that Washington was State game, game has completely changed how I look at this game. If I, if, if say they beat Washington state and say they were the team that won 17 to 14 and it didn't look pretty, but they found a way to win They're three and O heading into Ohio state. If they end up getting routed like 52 to seven by Ohio state on Saturday, I would feel upset and disappointed because you were three and oh, you would have been ranked in the top 25 and it would have been a top 25 match and be like, this is the team that you hope to see in December at the big 10 championship game. And you mm-hmm. want to see a nice, close competitive game, make some adjustments, see what you can do uh, in December. But that bad taste in your mouth from Washington state. Now it's like, okay, they lost there. If they get schlacked by Ohio state, like I said on Saturday, you're kind of like, well, Oh, I kind of saw it coming. This team's yeah. just not that good. Well, think of uh, 2016. Now, they played at Lambeau Field. That's a neutral site. I mean, Edge LSU? Badgers. LSU. Oh. LSU is what? Were they fifth in the country? What were they ranked? Fifth or third? One of, one of, one of the two. Somewhere in there. And the Badgers were not ranked. Correct. They yeah. ended up beating LSU in a hell of a game. And then yep. the Badgers made the biggest jump ever in the AP top 25 of moving, I forget exactly where they go, 10th or Tenth something like or that? 11th, one of the two. Now, what do you guys think coming into that LSU game? Uh, I was like, Edge, Lambeau Field, obviously you get a more Badger fans there. It's a little more home I thought it was going to be competitive, but just look at the Wisconsin roster that year. Yeah. yeah. LSU didn't have a quarterback. It was Justin Jefferson's <laughs> brother. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Jefferson. He was not a good quarterback. LSU, you know that they were going to have a stout defense, but remember the defense for the Badgers was pretty dang stout itself. And then on top of it, Stave was like that hit or miss quarterback where he could look really good. He could look really bad. If you got a decent game from Stave, look at the running backs they had on that roster. You knew they were going to be good. And that was when you had faith in the offensive line to, to basically block downhill and own the trenches. Like, I felt like that was going to be a competitive game. And then even if you look at the line, I don't remember what the line was offhand, but the Badgers obviously won and covered in that game, but it wasn't a huge line. Yeah, yeah. LSU was ranked fifth. Bart Houston, 19 to 31, 205 yards through two picks. Yeah. Corey Clement, 86 yards, one tutty. Um, and it was just stifling from the defense. Now, cause that was uh, I mean, Vince Beagle, Joe Schobert, if I remember correctly. On yeah, those. Uh, yep. Sitchy, TJ yep. Watt. I mean, Look at all those guys. Pitchy, TJ Watt, Ryan Conley, Leo Musso, Vince Beagle. Uh, all Soldier those guys Shelton, played in the NFL. Derek Tindall. Yeah. Like every one of those linebackers you just named. Dario Gunmawale. Played Vaughn. in the NFL. Yeah. Garrett Dooley. I mean, you got, you're looking down this list and you, there's all-time juggernauts. Every here. single one of those guys you just named either played in the NFL or was on a practice squad or had a cup of coffee and a tryout in the NFL. Yeah. And now you look at the talent on the team right now, and you're like, man, hmm, hmm. It's, well, we'll see. It's a hard to, to decipher. I mean, you have that watch the Washington State, like you were just talking about, Rowdy, that really Fs with your brain. And the other teams you played with stunk. Now, that, that's also we're talking about on paper, <laughs> because we've seen the Wisconsin linebackers, which they're, they're pretty young and unexperienced for the most part. 
they might turn out to be NFL type prospects in the fifth, sixth, seventh round two years from now. But right now on paper, they're not NFL prospects. You know what I mean? But we've seen guys take jump, huge jumps and come out of nowhere. Right. And become all of a sudden first, second, oh. third, fourth, fifth round picks. And the king is also right. Raphael Giglione there. I mean, three for One three. for three. Ole. And I'd say he's, he's the best kicker they've had Hell yeah. in that time frame from now till then. If you don't have a fat kicker, you got a problem. Remember when they had the, the battle the of the fat kickers between Gaglianoni and whoever the um, Penn State kicker oh, was? That he guy was, was bigger. He was, he was bigger. He, yeah. was big he was like 260, 270. Yeah, you awesome. he, used to go, he used to that go lay awesome. people out. Yeah. And then when he got laid out, he, he complained crying. about it. Yeah. I got a sweet he, he would take kind of some dirty shots. He had, a, on he had an eating disorder, though. I know. So you like to eat. You couldn't hit him. Yeah. yeah, he he liked to take some like dirty shots on guys oh, once absolutely. in a while on kickoffs because awesome. he was big and he could kind of get away with it. Yeah. But then when that one guy cracked him, yeah, I'm pretty he sure I saw tears. It. Yeah, and he was looking for a flag. And <laughs> yeah. It was like it was a clean block. It's like, dude, you're, you're a 270 pound kicker. You're bigger than all the Badger fullbacks and linebackers. Also, people are always <laughs> looking up the tee up on the special team guys. Yep. And when you're a bigger target like that, you bring it upon yourself. Do you think those Appalachian State guys cried on that uh, onside kick where all three of them got blown up? Probably not. <laughs> so everyone, everyone's Dude, dreaming to blow up a kicker. Spe- speaking of yeah, App State, real quick, because I know we're up against break. They played James Madison this week. Yep. Memorial? Just moved both, up from the FCS. Yeah, both of those teams, not the school former FCS oh, yeah. teams, now yeah. playing in what you would consider FBS. The Sun Belt, right? Both pretty good. Yeah. James Madison's offense, pretty dang good. They're going to have to change the name, though, right? So, I don't think they will. The second question then is... He founded the university. (laughs) When does North Dakota State become a... a FBS team. I don't know. I just looked at the three trying books. To, trying, to, trying to figure that out for the verbiage. I just looked at the three books that I have available to me, and two of them are at 18 and a half for that Badger Ohio State game, and the other's at 19. <laughs> and you seen it as high as 19 and a half yesterday? Yeah, yesterday it got as high as 19. And <laughs> <a half. laughs> yeah. Saw some people taking uh, Wisconsin. Hell yeah. Which, hey. I mean, it's a pretty. Big That's, spread, yeah. In, those, and a half, in you, their biggest spread uh, games, should. they've covered more than they've not. Yeah. So think of that. Unless they're favored, and then they usually don't. <laughs> they've covered more than they have not. No, but I sit there and think about some of those past teams we were just talking about last segment, like the season against LSU and the season right after it. Wisconsin was a covering machine. Yeah. Because they were like that second tier team that wasn't as good as Ohio State or some of those like Alabama SEC schools. But they would get matched up against some of these teams that were seen as being like a blue blood like Michigan. And the spread would be like seven points, seven and a half points. And they would always keep it within a touchdown and or win the game. Yeah. Right. Now, that was a headline you just showed me, or, uh, RJ. <laughs> that was Red Hot Wong. Red Hot Wong. <laughs> for the Milwaukee Brewers. Red Hot Wong. But unfor- Goals on a tear. Unfortunately for the Badgers, basically since uh, 2020, they have not really been covering machines. No. Yeah. <laughs> Poll is this. Wisconsin is anywhere from an 18 to a 19 point underdog. And the Packers are in Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. Which outcome is most likely to occur? Green Bay wins, UW covers. Green Bay wins, UW no cover. Green Bay loses, UW covers. Or Green Bay loses in UW, Wisconsin no cover. Start thinking about it. 
We now welcome this guy, a covering machine, the world's greatest gift to sports gambling and the handsome devil, our guy Dave Essler from pregame.com. David, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How are we doing today, Dave? Well, I am addicted to love because you are simply irresistible. <laughs> are you going Robert Palmer on me, Dave? Uh, I you have to Google it. You're addicted to love, Dave. I'm addicted to making money. That's why I got Rowdy here, uh, six fifty, eight fifty, doing his gambling picks. And of course, Fridays with you. you know, hell, you're the best in the friggin' nation, nay, the world to do it, Dave. Let me ask you, Wisconsin, yes, eighteen to a nineteen point dog, Packers yeah. taking on uh, the uh, Tom Brady, your former quarterback for the team you uh, cheer for, the New England Patriots. Uh, in Florida, where they don't do too well. Uh, what is it? A point and a half to the the Bucks, Rowdy? Yep. Dave, what do you think happens? UW covers? We'll start there. Does, can UW cover against Ohio State? I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't get that line going up. I mean, I would have thought it would have stopped at 17. Um, but if they're willing to pile money on 17 and push it all the way to 19, then I'm a little Patrick. leery. So Patrick. I would probably have to take the fifth. <sighs> and I would, I would probably go with my original thought back and – June when I told you it would probably be under. Oh, interesting. So I can't contribute to your Twitter poll. I apologize. That's fine. Um, okay, well, Dave, what about the Packers and the Buccaneers? Now, you once uh, loved Tom Brady. I think rumor was that you slept in his jersey. It was your 90 when he was winning Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. What do you think of Packers and Buccaneers Sunday? Well, it's probably a good thing we aren't doing video right now because I have a goat shirt on. Uh <laughs> I, you know, reluctantly, no, I don't like him anymore. I mean, I've made that abundantly clear. And now he's just another Um, guy in the way, you know? Exactly. Um, I like Tampa Bay. I'm I'm sorry to the Madison listeners and the rest of the state of Wisconsin. We're universal, by the way. They're listening to us worldwide. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that game is going to be Brady versus Rodgers that decides it. I think it's more Fournette against Aaron Jones and... You know, I, I like them both, but I would defer to the Bucks because I think that defense is elite. And, you know, that total, the total of, what, 41, I think it opened at 45. Um, you know, it's not going to be a shootout. And I, I just I have to defer to the better defense. So, Dave, I'm interested to see how, how you and other, I'd say, sharps in the Vegas or the country felt about the Green Bay Packers defense because you just said that Tampa Bay was elite. Now, the scuttlebutt around here at the beginning of the season was this is going to be the best Packers defense they've had since that Super Bowl. This is going to be a top 10, top 5, maybe the best defense in the league. Now, they haven't necessarily looked like that through two weeks, though they have a ton of talent. Where do you guys kind of see where this Packers defense is? Like, how do you rate them? Well, we'll see after they play a, 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 an elite offense. I mean, you know, they they kind of held the Vikings in check, but, you know, so did the Eagles. So what does that really mean? And, you know, obviously last week was the Bears, and, the, you know, that's the, that's the – it's the Bears. So, you know, and, and, you know, maybe after this week, but, you know, the Bucks have all these cluster injuries at wide receiver, so – I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think most people are taking the fifth until they get on a, a run of playing some some offenses that could give them trouble. So you mentioned. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know that you can make a quantum leap on defense with, with, uh, in one year. So I, I would. I think the Sharks are putting them better, but not, not Super Bowl defense. 
I'm glad you mentioned cluster injuries. Can you kind of explain to the listeners how much that affects the line versus like when you talk about one particular player that might be really good, like that's not a quarterback, like a Devonte Adams or a Zeke Elliott back in the day when he was in his prime, they move the line half a point, maybe, maybe at best a point. But when you have cluster injuries where it's three, four guys at the same position, whether that be offensive line or receiver, it's much more impactful. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's always that, um, overreactions, or it can be. You got to be careful because obviously, you know, the Bucks have them this weekend, and then that that has affected the line. But you know, it's not always right. If you look at last week, uh, the Lions, I think they had three offensive linemen that were out and not announced out till late, and everybody pounded Washington. And obviously, everybody that pounded Washington is, you know, banging on the they got pounded. Yeah. You know, a lot of times. A lot of times it's what group grouping it is, you know, three wide receivers, you know, those guys are involved in like every play. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a big separation between wide receiver one and wide receiver three, mm-hmm. whereas there's not as big a separation between, you know, offensive guard one and offensive guard two, you know, those guys get a lot of reps during the week. So I think it, it depends on what position it might be. Dave. Um, a lot of pleading the fifth here, but you know, taking the Buccaneers though, we'll leave you uh, Gun, look, I've been saying this throughout the year. There's a proverbial gun to his head. Hypothetically speaking, you got 19 staring you in the face. Badgers are underdogs by. What do you do? What do you do? Take the points. Okay, there it is. My guy, Dave. Dave, what do you got in college football for us, my man? What's that beautiful mind of yours cooking outside of the, you know, the state of Wisconsin or Ohio? Um, I, I think one of my favorite bets is Rocky Top um, over the Gators. I mean, the Gators have beaten Tennessee, I think, 15 of 16 times. Uh, I think when they – this week, if they have a lead in the game, they won't let off the gas. I mean, it could be payback city. I mean, I look at Florida, and they had that win over Utah, which could have easily just been – just as easily been a loss, uh, not for that pick in the last few minutes. And that was somewhat predictable. They had a year to prepare for Utah. It was in the heat and humidity. Um the letdown lost the following week at Kentucky was somewhat predictable, uh, but that three-point win over South Florida last week, I mean, that, that should have gone to overtime. Uh, and I, I just, Anthony Richardson is just not any good. He's barely completed half his passes, and, and I think they're one of three teams in FBS that haven't thrown a TD pass yet. So, um, you know, if they allowed South Florida over 400 yards of offense, and 280 of that was on the ground, um, I... I I like Tennessee to get uh, a decade and a half of payback. I can't believe you just said Anthony Richardson is no good. I thought after week one he was the Heisman favorite in, in know, people's eyes. There, there you go with your knee-jerk overreaction, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking just you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I what did I see somewhere that that uh, um, I'm having, a, I'm having a, a brain freeze here, but That's the funny. NFL MVP odds that shifted based on, you know, a week and a half's worth of play. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Dave, speaking of the NFL, can you give us a nice little juicy NFL pick outside of uh, the Buccaneers and the Packers? Yeah, I mean, I I talked to Rowdy, um, well, several times, but I agree, <laughs> with, him. I agree with him with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, a month ago, I, mean, I probably made a big bet on Seattle just fading the Falcons because I didn't like them coming in, but... You know, they might be one of the better 0-2 teams. 
that's better than 0-2. You know, I think the Seahawks had their moment in the summer when they beat Russell Wilson, yada, 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 but they got destroyed statistically. Um, and, you know, they aren't going to make the Falcons road favorites in a historically hostile place to play. Uh, they can't favor Seattle by much, and of course they didn't, but, you know, you know, Mariota going back to the Pacific Northwest. I think it gets the job done. I love the Falcons. Love the Pacific Northwest. And I think if you look at that game, we know that the Falcons can score points. I think the Seahawks are averaging less than two touchdowns a game. Yeah, they're playing at home, but who on that offense scares you? Really, what, DK Metcalf? But if Geno Smith is Geno Smith, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Falcons have multiple running backs that can can tote the rock for 15 carries. I mean, Mariota does have a little bit of legs, spreads the ball out. I just think their offense is way too good to score points against that Seattle team. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, and I don't like doing that. <laughs> uh, Dave. I, like, I, like, I, I like the conflict. It, it, you know, and sometimes when, when people disagree, especially doing podcasts or, or radio and whatnot, I mean, it gets both sides of the story out there, and... and Listeners can make up their own mind. I like conflict too, Dave. It's fun, isn't it? That's why I get yeah, on this mic and say crazy outlandish things once in a while. Man, most of the conflict I have is with myself. <laughs> the, the internal struggle is real, Dave. Hey, Dave, catch us up. Well, hey, you want some internal struggles, some conflict. You're on the Jets. I'm on Cincinnati. Yeah, fair. Why do you like the yeah, Jets like so the much? Jets. Like, I, I look at it this way. Cincinnati could easily be 2-0. and If they had their long snapper week one, they win an ugly game. If the Cowboys don't figure out a way, or if they figured out a way to score in the red zone towards the end of the Cowboy game, they're 2-0. and Yeah, it hasn't looked pretty, but I feel like it's a team that would be looked at a lot differently if they were 2-0 and than 0-2. Then on the flip side, Jets never should have won that game against Cleveland. And Joe Flacco is in the top three for passing. Do we really think Joe Flacco at this point in his career can keep that up? I I just think the Bengals roster is way better than the Jets roster. And then at the other hand, you're you're buying high on the Jets and buying low on Cincinnati. I I like Cincinnati. Also, Dave, were you hanging out with Joe Namath getting liquored up after that Jets win? Like, Sergio, I'm going to kiss you. Are you, you, you drunk talking about this bet? Um, no, I was hanging out with Joe though, but I don't drink a whole lot. So oh, yeah. well, he, he, he does that for you. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid to say that I'm, I'm taking the Jets. I mean, I know it's a hard bet to make, but <laughs> I mean, if I'm betting on Cincinnati, I'm, I'm asking the team to do what it hasn't done yet. So I don't, That's I don't, point. I guess a personal personal side would you say so i bet cincinnati and we gave that out early in the week we got it at four and a half before the line started moving up would you tell people if you do like the jets wait because more money will continue to come in on cincinnati because it's cincinnati and joe burrow or would you say nope pull that trigger right now if you can get the six no i think it's six now i think you pull it now i mean i i you know the fact that it hasn't gone beyond six yet is telling me that um, a lot of people are seeing what you're seeing. I mean, if it goes to seven, I'm screwed. I mean, that would take, <laughs> that would take real money. So I would say six is probably the apex okay. there. But, okay. you know, I know Cincinnati's offense, but I look what Traylon Diggs did last week to Jamar Chase. I mean, five for 54. Um, I think Sauce Gardner's every bit as good as Trevon Diggs. So, you know, I know the Jets had an improbable win, but it was a win last week. It was a road win. Crazy and win. I think from the 
I think for a young Jets team, that's all that really matters. I mean, I, I just think the confidence level of these teams has to be nice today. You know, on paper, the Jets could have beaten Baltimore in week one. I think it was the first so. team in 21 years to come from behind in the final two minutes of two scores to get it done pretty wild. Hey, Dave, one more yeah, person. They had, they, had, they had statistically, I think the Browns were a 99.7% yeah, yeah. chance to win. Yeah. yeah, I think all of the Browns fans had a nice... Nice chub going on, but then they were quickly deflated when the Jets came back and won. And left Browns in their pants. And then Nick Chubb yeah, had to apologize. Speaking yeah. of the NFC North, I like the Lions this week. Hell yeah, let's go two in a row for the Lions. Let's go Detroit. I mean, you know, uh, the Vikings get their ass handed to them. I mean. Let's go, Dave. Um, I just don't I just do not do it. I mean, you know, uh, most people that bet on this game, uh, uh, betting on the potential of the Vikings, and again, um, you're asking a team to do something that hasn't done. I mean, last year, um, you know, obviously the Vikings were the Vikings and the Lions weren't as probably good as they are this year. Not that they're great, but they, you know, division teams know each other. They played two two point games last year, and I don't, I don't see this one being much different. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Uh, before I let you go, my brother, and we thank you. Everything will follow along. Pregame.com. Also, Dave underscore Essler on Twitter. Uh, see your handsome mug and those videos of yours. Uh, personal question revolving the Jets. As Rowdy asked you a personal question on your pick, I have a personal question. I know it, it's a little hot in Florida. But do you or would you buy and wear a full fur coat like Joe Namath did? Um, yeah, for sure. If I could get, a, if I could get the benefits of him uh, that he has wearing a fur coat, absolutely. I, 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 am not, I am not that proud. Yeah, I mean, it's, you look good in that fur, Dave. Come on. Beautiful. My man. Hey, Dave, you golfing today? Uh, probably. You going to hit him long and straight? I don't know because that hurricane that's going out sort of Bermuda is making oh. it a little bit. It's making it a little bit windy here, so um, some of them will be really long. <laughs> On the complete other side of things here. I might be playing my last round of golf this uh, this week. It's getting a little cold here, Dave. Uh, the fur jackets were out, and I about to come out. I apologize. You have a choice. <laughs> you you both have a choice. Yeah, we choose to wear fur. I heard heard Jacksonville and Orlando are looking for good sports talk people. (laughs) We want to go to Jacksonville? I don't know about that, Dave. Well, just because their football team isn't that great. I mean, Jacksonville is a pretty good city. Oh, okay. Real quick, do you think if it was like a, I don't know, some worst team like the Lions actually made the Super Bowl this year and the Jaguars somehow made the Super Bowl in the AFC that this would be the first ever blacked out Super Bowl in the Jacksonville area? Highly possible. Highly possible. <laughs> hey, Dave, Highly we love you, buddy. Possible. We love you, Dave. All right. Like you guys, too. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Did you say like us, too? Unbelievable. I, I do. I do. I usually say I love you, but I, I need to I need to, uh, I need to. change it up. Well, well, I was playing this I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I can't have you guys getting a false sense of security. And here I am playing Simply Irresistible for you. Unbelievable, Dave. For uh, the Packers, Rowdy, when it comes to, you know, it's going down on Sunday at Raymond James Field, we were talking about the line being a very important key for the Green Bay Packers. Not only are you tech, uh, protecting Aaron Rodgers, also establishing that run game, which was so dominant, uh, you know, the week before against the Chicago Bears where Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were just getting it going. By the way, did you see? Did you hear the comments from A.J. Dillon talking about how he wants to be remembered as a Packer? 
He's like, I just want to be remembered as a guy that got his that showed up to work and did his job. Doesn't matter if it was flashy. It didn't matter if it you know, was big chunk yardage. Like, I just wanted to be that guy, lunch pail mentality. Oh, man, I found an alternate line. The highest alternate line I can find on the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, they're offering Ohio State minus 30 and a half. Jesus. So Bobby's still giving you another four and a half points. Which I'll take. But if he was to go to a FanDuel sports book and give you 30 and a half, he would get plus 310 odds. Oh, really? Bobby, if you're a betting man, there you go. You should text that to him. See if he'll do it. All right, 608 321 That'd be worse for you. Yeah, I know. See if he'll do it, though, and it's for a... He's listening. All right, for the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers was talking about it. And um, we're close to banning this name, but I wanted to play these comments because it's kind of telling. So Rodgers was asked how much impact would David Bakhtiari have if he returns to left tackle to replace Yash Nyman. Take a listen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure where he's going to be at, uh, you know, percentage-wise, not just physically but mentally. But when he's back, you know, he's a minimum a top three left tackle in the league. And Yash has played really well for us, but you know, there's a reason Dave gets paid what he gets paid, and he's been a first-team uh, All-Pro many times. So, listening to those comments from Aaron Rodgers, you would—we all know that Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari are buddies. Yes, big-time buddies. So you would always have your buddies back, or at least if you're friends, you would hope that your buddy would have your back. Correct. But you listen to that first part of what Aaron Rodgers said right there. That's not good. Doesn't sound like he has a lot of confidence slotting in David Bakhtiari over. Yash Nyman. Yash Nyman right now. And for some guy that plays quarterback at a very high level, hopes to have a good offensive line and a good offense and needs to be protected. The blind side is his most, is the most protected spot you need. That's why the left tackle, because many quarterbacks are right-handed, get paid so much. For him to say, yeah, I don't know physically or mentally if he'd be ready right now. <sighs> well, that just, is just very, wait. very telling to say that he thinks that it gets even more telling here. Here's the uh, the uh, what Mike Clemens has sent me for the audio. Aaron Rodgers Q and A deflects a question on what he could do with the top three left tackle like Bakhtiar on the line. So take a listen to uh, another telling comment from. Aaron Rodgers. What, what things are you able to do as a quarterback with a top three left tackle? That, no, I'm not going to get that. It's not the David Bakhtiari situation is not good. It's I don't know if the dude's going to play again. If, if wasn't have, it this week was his, again, supposed to be his return allegedly? Again, if you had a good buddy that had an injury, you probably know about as good as anybody else outside of him, what that injury really is and where he's at. Yep. And especially, like I said, being the most important position for the quarterback, protecting him, being the left tackle. Tough. Those are not deflecting the question. Obviously, he doesn't want to answer it. Mm-hmm. And then the the answer he gave before that. Not good. Saying, yeah. Not only physically, but mentally of where he's at. He's like, I don't know if. And re- yes, the reports are after week one where, because remember all of a sudden it was like, yeah, Elton Jenkins and, and David Bakhtiari, they're practicing again. They might be a go for week one. And then after the game played, there was the report saying now they're looking for week three for both of them. Well, Jenkins played week two. Didn't look as good as peak Elton Jenkins. No, but coming off injury. But coming off injury, slotted back in against a solid Bears defense. He was serviceable. Yeah. It's, 
Well, week three is now this week. Week four. And he's you, not practicing again, You would by have the way. to imagine. We talked about this with Rob Reichel when I brought up the, the question. What is the point of having David Bakhtiari on the roster yeah. when you can put him on the pup list and he could play week five? You'd imagine he would have been able to play sometime in those first four weeks. Well, we're on week three, and if he doesn't play this week, it only leaves him one more week to play or else why didn't he start on the pup list? So Bakhtiari did not participate in practice on Wednesday. was a limited uh, participant yesterday, and Matt LaFleur has made it very clear that David Bakhtiari does not practice back-to-back days. One on, one off. One on, one off. So therefore, I'm assuming he will not be practicing today as a limited participant yesterday, and he probably won't be playing, though, on And Sunday. that's even more telling, and we should have realized this. Well, we kind of did, but we didn't talk about it extensively. That, that should have just been telling. Yeah, you know, when you get older, some of these veterans get more days off than, like, the younger players, right? It's yeah, like, the veterans oh, day off, Mercedes uh, Lewis didn't practice today. Veteran day off. Yep. I get that, but David Bakhtiari is like right around 30. It's not like he is that old, especially because you see like... Um, I mean, he's got his huge contract. Like, this is his prime. This You is his see prime. like some of those offensive linemen that can play into their late 30s and still be really good. He's not... Th- he's getting older, but he's not that, that old to where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to feel it. You know, my body's hurting and uh, I just need a day here and there. Yeah, It's telling because he's coming off of the ACL injury where... By all accounts, the ACL is healed. The muscles, the tendons, the ligaments are fine. Yeah, it's healed. The reason why he would need those days off is because of the fluid and because of the pain. Pain. Because he can't go two days in a row with the pain in his knee. That's even more telling. That's even more red flags. Because you would think by now that he could at least ease into it. Again, this winter, this December, it'll be two full years. Two years. Not one. And I, I said this from the start. I think if we don't see David Bakhtiari playing every single game, whether he's playing with pain or not, but if we don't see him consistently playing by it's the over. end of the season, there's done. no way he's he can play. It's done. I don't. Th- I think he's done. The, it's over. There's only 12 games left. Yeah, this is this is not cutting time for your Milwaukee Brewers. They just toil on that two and a half line uh, for the final wild card spot. Uh, like Rowdy just said, they have three more games with the Reds. And then come uh, off on Monday, and then it's a two-game set for the Cardinals, a four-game set against the Marlins, and then they finish off the season against the Arizona Diamondbacks, all at home after they're done uh, in Cincinnati here uh, come Sunday. So you're Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, let's go check in at uh, 538, the predictions, the percentages. The Brewers have a 27% chance. Of so even the with a win last night and a Philadelphia Phillies win and a loss by the Padres, because if you remember, you did that yesterday. Just, you said it was 29%. It went down. So it's went down. And now there's other publications where you can look and the Brewers were in the upper 30s or the mid 30s and the low 30s because there's a handful of different yeah. ones. 538 was actually the lowest percent for the Brewers, but still... I'm going to imagine if it went down at 538, it probably went down at all those other publications (laughs) as well. I would imagine so. Yeah, looking at the Phillies, they have an 84% chance of making the playoffs, and the Padres have a 90% chance of making the playoffs. Your Brewers, uh, 27%. The only people in the mix still that uh, have some long shots, uh, the Brewers are the second longest shot right now at 27%. Uh, The next would be the Baltimore Orioles with a 
2% chance of making the playoffs. Except for there's two big <laughs> things that are differences between the Baltimore Orioles and the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers are quote-unquote in their window. Yes. This was supposed to be a year for them to go for it, right? Yep. Baltimore was kind of like the Milwaukee Brewers of 2017, where it was a lot of journeymen, a lot of guys that you would consider prospects, and then quadruple-A players. And all of a sudden, they're playing well. They bring up a few prize prospects that end up playing really good baseball the second half of the season. And you look up, and the Orioles are a handful of games out of the wild card. And remember, at the deadline, there were people saying, Baltimore should buy, Baltimore should buy. No, no, absolutely not. This team is way ahead of schedule. This team wasn't expected to be anywhere close to how good it was this year. They have a ton of young talent. They're building. Yeah, the the Orioles this year is like the 2017 Brewers, right before they started coming into this window. Yeah, The Brewers are at the end, coming up to the end of their window. They're supposed to be contending and competing the Orioles were just happy to be there. Yeah, looking at your know, Milwaukee, but yet Brewers. they're in the same spot. Yeah, that's kind of disheartening a little. Well, not kind of. It is uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. <sighs> we're in this little strange time. As uh, what do you do? What do you say? The window they sell at the trade deadline, and now we're uh, you know crossing our fingers and our toes. Two and a half games back, so we can get this thing going. Man, worst worst spot to be in for major league team. Would you rather be the Milwaukee Brewers who were sitting there in had high expectations were supposed to win the division. Uh, You were sitting there with a lead going into the trade deadline. You end up selling and then completely going into a tailspin for like the next month. Or would you rather be the Chicago White Sox who had high expectations after winning the division brought back almost the entire team even added and then they somewhat added at the deadline only to also be awful down the stretch. And now they're back. I think uh, going into yesterday, there were six know. games behind the uh, guardians. I think you'd rather tr- say you tried to do something at the trade deadline, right? Both teams, huge disappointments in their division. I think you'd want to say you tried to do something um, as opposed to like, yeah, we sold uh, the brewers rowdy. Well, Okay, let's go back to that wedding that we were at last weekend. Yeah, my you brother's said that you, there was uh, one of your brother's buddies that was a White Sox fan. Yeah, he was very inebriated, but yes, Vito. He was still upbeat and excited about. Hey, now this was almost a week ago, so they didn't have the series they just did with the yeah, Guardians, and the Guardians yeah. took it to the White yeah, Sox. Sorry, White but Sox. They were within range, right? Here's what happened. It was ACDC Thunderstruck came on, and this is like at 11 o'clock at night. He was in the grips of addiction of, of alcohol, and he started dancing, doing his Angus Young guitar, and then he started screaming, White Sox are back, baby. White Sox are back. The AL Central is ours. White Sox are back. And he hugged me a bunch. That's what happened, Rowdy. Then they may have went this week and got absolutely smoked by the Guardians and fell <laughs> fallen even farther out of that contention. But what I'm getting at is just less than a week ago, you knew a person that was a White Sox fan that was upbeat, thought that the White Sox were coming for that division. How many? There were more Brewer fans at that wedding than White Sox fans. How many Brewer fans were upbeat talking about, here come the Brewers, let's go, we're going to win this thing? I don't think a single person once mentioned the Brewers to me, except maybe you and I when we talked about it in passing, I think. And you know who was even, you know who was even uh, at that time closer to a playoff spot? 
the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, you look at the White Sox, they're almost evenly out of the wild card and the division. It's like five, six games, no matter where you look. The Brewers, yeah, they're seven and a half games out of the division. But at the time, they were like game and a half, two games out of the wild card. Yeah, Remy, No one was happy or upbeat saying that they were going to make it. But a White Sox fan was. And he, yeah, and he was and he was pumped like he was stoked to see the White Sox. Who did they beat on Saturday, by the way? Like, well, I got to go look at the White Sox schedule. He was stoked out of his mind. There was not a single person that said anything about the Milwaukee Brewers to me. Uh, let's see. They beat the, let's see here. It was the Tigers. They had beat four to three. But you know why I think that actually is? Is because of what you just said. I would rather be the team that went for it. They added pieces or at least tried to add pieces at the deadline. Yeah. It's not like they got a huge name, but they added pieces. The Milwaukee Brewers, the biggest piece that moved for the Milwaukee Brewers was being sold to the San Diego Padres. Everyone had a bad taste in their mouth ever since then, <laughs> including the team who went into a tailspin for what felt like three or four weeks. Yeah. Uh, so interesting case here, uh, study on you know our Milwaukee Brewers and other teams that actually tried to do something at the trade deadline and not sell one of their best pieces in Josh Hader, who uh, had a little rough patch, but now seemed to be back to being what Josh Hader does. And that's Supposedly, Josh Hader's looked like Josh Hader the last week. Closing out games. And, hey, good for Hader, man. And good for them for trying. I just keep laughing when people are, you know, kind of the Brewer fans are scoffing. They go, ugh, Brewers won tonight, and so did the Padres. Or they go, ugh, of course, when the Padres lose, the Brewers can't win. And, uh, and they're like, we can't gain any ground on the Padres. And I just kind of chuckle. I go, did you think the team that traded away talent <laughs> was going to continue to play at the same level of the team that added talent? Like, the, okay, the Padres went through a tough stretch. They had the back end of their bullpen not pitching well. Juan Soto was playing like garbage. Brandon Drury wasn't playing good. Those were all some of the additions that they had. Yeah. But did you really think that guys that were that good were going to play bad for the next 60 days? Like I get if they have a you know a six games where they're bad or sixteen games where they're bad, but did you really think that they were going to play as bad as some of the Brewer guys for sixty games? No, exactly. No, they were going to come around at some point. You added talent. Uh, real quick on the Brewers. So Rowdy, um, and, and look at this right on time as we were going to talk about the Brewers and someone else who won last night too. Uh, Brewers still two and a half games back of that wild card because one young Ben Kenny's team, the Philadelphia Phillies. Got a one nothing win over Rowdy's team, the Atlanta Braves, last night. Brewers did spank around. Well, not, I mean, Colton Wong. I just want to put this out there. The Braves weren't my team last night. The Phillies were my team last well, night. Well, in the Razor's Edge, but you are a Braves fan now, correct? I root for who I got money on. Says the guy with the Braves shirt and a Braves hat. They were gifts. <laughs> the hat and the shirt were a gift. I'm keeping them, Todd. All right, so, Rowdy, uh, the Brewers... Listen, what is there, 12 games? The 12 games left? Yeah, so going into that Cincinnati series, there were 13 games left. They had four in Cincinnati. Then they came home for the rest of the season, two with St. Louis, four with Miami, and three to end it with Arizona. I looked at that and figured... If the Brewers wanted a real shot at trying to come back and dig themselves out of this hole to win a wild card spot, they would probably at a minimum have to go at least nine and four. They started out one and oh, got a win last night yep. against Cincinnati. Colton Wong 
Colton Wong did it for the Brewers. Three home runs. The Brewers had four hits last night. Colton Wong had three home runs. Yeah, and he basically accounted for all five runs. They got the win. But I'm looking at the fact that they did get help last yesterday afternoon from the Cardinals. Now the Phillies, they did win. So if you look at the standings, Brewers now two and a half back of the Phillies and three games back of the Padres. Now, technically, we know that they don't own the tiebreaker with either of these two teams. So technically, it would be four games behind the Padres and three and a half games behind the Phillies. But I'm just looking at the schedules for both of the other teams because I just gave you the schedule for what the Brewers have to do. Mm -hmm. Padres have an interesting one. So you look at the Padres. They have three coming up here in Colorado. Now, this is interdivision. Colorado's not a good team, but Colorado wins games at home. They're a team They're that a has a team. record above 500 at home. So I would say at least Colorado probably wins at least one of those. Maybe the Brewers get lucky and, and Colorado could win two out of three. Then they come home and they take on a three-game series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Do the Dodgers call it a season early, about a week early? Yeah, We'll see. But still, on paper, Los Angeles is a good team. Same thing after that. They then play the weekend series next weekend against the uh, Chicago White Sox. White Sox still currently in contention for a wild card and a a division. Now that is fading fast. Will Chicago still be live and playing for anything at that time? Because if they are, it's still a team that's just outside of the playoffs or a playoff caliber team. Then they finish the this, this season three games at home against San Francisco. Again, interdivision team that's not just going to roll over mm-hmm. for a division rival. So they have a tougher schedule when you look at it on paper. But how many of those teams will be playing to win at Correct, that point? Yeah. Then you look at Philadelphia. Ben, they started last night with Atlanta, got a win, but they have three more at home against Atlanta. We know that Atlanta is still competing for the NL East as they are, what, about a game back of the Mets. They then go to Chicago for three games, and yeah, it's the Cubs. They're not a good team, but they're still kind of pesky. They're still winning series. They just swept the Mets not too long ago. <clears throat> then this is the interesting one. They come home for the weekend from September 30th through October 2nd. That is three days, but they have to play four games in three days against the Nationals. That's where they make up that extra game on the Brewers. Yeah, That's where that half comes into play. And then they finish the season on the road against the Astros. Well, the Astros already have the AL West locked up, probably on their way to locking up the top spot in the AL. Will they mail it in by the last series of the season and go all out to win games? See, this is where... So things we are bode well for the Brewers coming up here with the schedule. I wouldn't say bodes well. The Brewers, like I said, I think a minimum they have to go nine and four to give themselves a legit shot. That means they'd finish the season eighty-eight and seventy-four. Do they control their own destiny? They clearly don't control their own I destiny. Hate that and, but what I'm getting at is, it's possible. It's not likely. But I look at what the Brewers are doing, and I look up the pitching matchups against Cincinnati, and I think just talking about this weekend, if you if you say at a minimum they have to go nine and four, they got to win three out of four against Cincinnati. But the pitching matchups yeah. actually look like they could do this. Brandon Woodruff won last yeah. night. Now they have Lauer tonight against 
a Mike Miner. Mike Miner is a left-hander, but God dang, is he trash. He's got an ERA over six this year. They're literally throwing him out there because he's a veteran on this crappy team, and he's just eating innings. The Brewers have to win that game. I think they're like a minus 165 favorite. Saturday, it's Corbin Burns versus Ashcraft. Again, the Brewers should be heavily favored, and they need to win that game. And then the interesting one is Sunday. So I think they should win the first three games of the series, at least on paper. Sunday's interesting because you have Nick Lodolo, who is a rookie left-hander, who showed some promise and has been much better this year at home. And it's in Cincinnati, obviously. And it's TBD for the Brewers. But if you've been reading reports and following up much on the Brewers, the guy that looks like might be penciled in for that start is one Freddie Peralta. Oh, yeah. He's been like, yeah, what's up? He's been throwing bullpens and sides because he had the fatigue right shoulder. Now, he would definitely be on a pitch count, but you might get an outside shot of having Freddie Peralta start that game. How deep does he go? Who knows? But on paper, I think they should win those first three games. Then you look moving forward. You have a two-game series at home against the the Birds, the Dirty Birds and the Cardinals. In a two-game series, hope for a split there. And then, in my opinion, you got to look to win at least three out of four against the Fish and two out of three against the Diamondbacks at home. You add all those up. I mean, that's nine and four right there. That's the bare minimum that I think they have to go to have a shot at the playoff. Nine and four. It's going to be tough because, one, the Brewers have to win that many games. We've seen the Brewers struggle. We always see the Phillies win when the Brewers win and when the Brewers lose. And that's the the other part. They don't control their own destiny. They need to have the Phillies falter. They need to have the Padres falter. Well, if they can go nine and four, the Phillies would have to go six and eight. Okay. Well, let's just do this. One second for the phone call. One young Ben Kenny. Will what will the Phillies do down the stretch here, Mister Philadelphia? Oh, yep. You got. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yes. Oh, there we go. I don't necessarily want to be this guy. You know, but I don't, I don't need to be branded. It's like Paulie when he comes in. I don't mean to say this, but I don't need to be branded as the Phillies guy. Well, you're from there. They're going to choke. And the last two nights have been remarkable. They're games that they never win in the past. The Toronto game, especially giving up the three run bomb and then coming back. I don't know. I know this team. I've watched them for 11 years. Every September, they find a way to choke. The problem is the Brewers. Now, Ben, you've might- been in Wisconsin long enough to know what the Brewers are, right, too? Well, they choke They're in the playoffs. They're even bigger chokers. Yeah, but not in the regular season. Well, I mean, this is be five times straight. I would say make it. I think the biggest thing for the Phillies is when you get to the last the last series of the season at Houston, at that point, Houston's got everything locked up. They're probably just adjusting their pitching rotation for the playoffs. So you probably get an easier series there. But I think the one that could be key for you guys is the four games in three days against a crappy national team. Because you'd imagine they'd roll over, but if you look at the schedule, you're playing every single day from September 20th all the way through October 5th. So that's a long stretch, and then four days. So, Ben, you're saying they choke. They're going to choke. A lot of road games. The Brewers get all of them at home. I said weeks ago when it was still a five-game difference that the Brewers would make it in in that spot. I just have no confidence the thing is, I don't think the Brewers do much to do it. I just do you think, think it's they could go nine and four or better? 
The Phillies? No, no, no the, the Brewers. Because that's, in my opinion, they have to win at least nine out of the 13 Yeah, games. they're all at home. It's one of those deals where they'll end yeah. strong and yeah, we'll put see. a mask on all the crap that's happened this year. And then you, they can say, we made the playoff five times in a row. You just hope it doesn't come down to the bullpen ever because yeah. the bullpen is still stinky. And right. now since we're, right. we're both, you know, partial to the Brewers and then the Phillies, how about the team we're not partial to? San Diego. Three at Colorado, but then by the time it's next week, do the Dodgers get their foot off the gas pedal? Gas will the pedal. will the White Sox still be in contention to be playing hard? I know that San Francisco will still play them hard, but if if the White Sox and the Dodgers aren't taking their foot off the gas pedal, that is a more difficult schedule yeah. for the Padres. But the thing is, the Brewers have just dug themselves in such a hole. Totally. If they would have been out like a game or two right yeah. now to these two teams, I would feel a lot better with their chances. But the fact that it's three, three and a half and four. Our guy from mybookie.ag. Doc Sports on Twitter, VSI Doc Sports, Raphael and the Hizzy. What's up, Raph? Not much. What's going on with you guys? Man, just easing on into the weekend. Big matchups for both of our teams coming up here, buddy. As, uh, well, maybe one, maybe one big matchup. Okay, well, let me ask you. What's bigger? Packers, Ohio, or I'm sorry, Badgers, Ohio State, or Packers and Buccaneers? Uh, Packers, Buccaneers. <laughs> no offense. I mean, the way it. you guys played against Washington, yeah, it's. Uh, I have a feeling, hopefully I'm wrong, you guys had the, either the best old music and the best show, it might be a bloodbath early. <laughs> Someone gave me, called in and gave me 35 points, Raphael. I took it for the Badgers to cover. Oh, no, that's, I would take. I don't think it's going to be that bad of a bloodbath. If it's that bad of a bloodbath, you'd be asking me who's going to be the next head coach of Wisconsin. Uh, by Christmas. <laughs> uh, so, Rowdy, what was the look-ahead line, 14 and a half? Yeah, so the look-ahead line from, like, forever ago this summer, if you wanted to bet way out in advance, it's, it opened at, I believe it was 14 and a half, quickly yes. bet up to 17 and a half. Then the liner that opened, what, last Sunday was, I think it was 14 and a half, or no, 16, then instantly to 17 and a half, and now as high as 19 and a half. How much money... Raphael, as the uh, the brilliant bookmaker line setter that you are, Mr. Vegas, how much money has to come in for you guys to move a line like that so fast? Uh, it's mostly it's the we haven't had that big significant like a six figure bet, just a bunch of uh, you know ten thousand and twenty five stuff like that. But the tickets written on uh, Ohio State is probably the reason why it's so lopsided. It's just so I, I would think probably right now. Last time I checked, it was almost four to one every four tickets written on Ohio State. One was on Wisconsin, which is normally Wisconsin's a heavy, heavy, heavy bet college football team. But when the Ohio State is on the board, uh, and it's a 6:30 game, so not not only is it going to be a lot of Ohio State money coming in because it's not a noon game like these horrible Big Ten people with their stupid Fox contract hey. that plays good games at noon. Hey. Uh, it's uh, it's going to get a lot of action. When, this one will go to 20 by kickoff. My favorite is an 11 a.m. kickoff, Raphael. Here's Central it's Time. It's the worst. It's yeah, the it's worst. It's the best. You get you get a nice little Bloody Mary in I'm the morning. I'm with you, Raph. Then you get your give night. Give me a night game. Then Don't you get your give me the stupid 11 o'clock well, kick. Well, some of us can't drink night. at 11 and just drink all day. Some of us are working and all that. I so for that. you alcoholics out there in, in the Wisconsin working. area... Raphael, you were it's, there on one of our tailgates. We were obviously were working. You saw it. I, I don't work with a cocktail in my hand, so I don't consider you what you guys were doing working. Raph, we're just we're representing a Coors Light as our sponsor, and we got Bloody Marys, which pairs very well with Coors Light. It's it's a job, Raphael. Okay, it's a it's job. Funny how you someone's got to do it. I, 
It's funny how you say that because I've been arguing back and forth with the Miller Live people who are my sponsor for my new show for the Saints uh, oh, yeah. after after game. Uh, they want me to hold the Miller Light and be on all that, and I and I told the guy I didn't I, I don't like beer, and the look that he gave me it went through my spine. Well, he's like, <laughs> I'm paying you a good sponsorship money. You can't hold this Miller Light. They're not asking you to drink it, are they? Rap? They're just asking you to hold it, correct? Uh, it is a it's the the show's called Brews, Balls, and Bets, so uh, they, <laughs> they 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 do want us to sip some stuff. So I don't know what I'm going to have to put inside that because I beer will make me gag on on air. Man. We got to get you a, a a set on your Raphael. What about this? What if you? And I don't want to break any man laws here. What if you were to pour it in a glass, give it to someone off camera, and then in your can that you're holding, you just put like water in it or a little liquor or something? This is why my wife loves to go to baseball games with me because we get two beers, one for me, one for her, and she drinks the two beers, and uh, I and I get a bottle of water. Man, so. your wife sounds fun to party with. She get her up here again. Now, if it was scotch, bourbon, anything on the rocks, a tequila on the rocks, stuff like that, I am tequila. all there. I don't drink beer. Okay. Well, Raph, okay. Well, at least we, we'll settle at that then. When we get you up here for another tailgate, we'll get you some uh, some good liquor. Hey, Raph, oh. speaking of liquor, Aaron Rodgers once suggested he needed four fingers of tequila when they drafted Jordan Love. I know Tom Brady was seen uh, twisted off the sauce uh, some uh, tequila as well, I do believe, after they won the Super Bowl. What do you think? Uh, Packers one-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Buccaneers. What does Raphael see in this game, and uh, where's money moving around to? It's been lopsided on both sides when all their injury reports came out with uh, who's Tom Brady going to throw to now Evans being suspended. Uh, Green Bay money started coming because it was all Tampa Tom money coming in. So it's about 50-50. If Green Bay can run the ball like they did their last game, uh, I think it's going to, I don't want to say blow up, but I think they win and cover this one. If they can't, then it's going to be a nail-biter. I took this number at 47 under uh, last week before the Green Bay game started, before the Bears. I thought it was just way too many points. I thought Tampa Bay's defense has looked really good the last two games. I took the under 47. Now it's 42. It's probably going to go to 41 and a half. It's going to be a dead under game. I lean towards Green Bay because I just don't know who – happened Tom's gonna throw to and his offensive line is still shaky yeah yeah it's interesting with uh, the wide receivers I, I don't know we were talking uh, yesterday who's got the better wide receiving core the uh, Packers going in this game or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because both are you know you have question I would marks say Green it. Bay I would say because each game Green Bay plays it's experience for those Green Bay wide receivers yeah so I would say Green Bay has right now the best wide receiver core than Tampa Bay. Interesting. Uh, Raphael, uh, anything else out of the NFL that you're kind of looking at? Uh, a good little game? And they got on the docket. Rowdy is feeling the, uh, what, the Atlanta Falcons to get her done. Uh, everyone the loves the Falcons I talk to. Uh, I made fun of Geno Smith all my life since he's put a jersey on. And <laughs> I think what about he, he got wins another in the one. face by his teammate? I think he wins another game, so I'm opposite on that one. I just don't understand so much love of Atlanta. I know they played the Saints tough, but look how the Saints have been playing, so I'm not going to give that uh, any kind of love. I would probably stay away from the game. I like the Monday night game. I have no idea why Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys got so much love uh, in this game. You tell me you can get the Giants at minus one when Barkley's playing better, when they can run the ball. That means the passing game is going to be much better, and their defense has been playing well. I like the G-Men at home on Monday night against Cooper Rush and the Cowgirls. No. Well, that's because Jerry Jones is saying there might be a quarterback controversy. Yeah. Cooper Rush, the real deal here. Did you hear that? Yeah. Comments from Jerry Jones? Yeah. Uh, he's just saying that because he knows Sean Payton was on TV all yesterday saying that he is a perfect position. He would come back. He has to say the right words to try to get Sean Payton to go there next year. Mm. Raph? 
Before I ask you some wacky entertainment prop bets, I uh, I have to ask. So we had a caller call in earlier. His name's Charlie uh, down the middle. Johnson. He's a guy that you you know how you don't like beer. He's the exact mm-hmm. opposite of you. My man just can't get enough beer. He's going to Vegas, and I asked if he's going to be like a Charlie Babbitt situation here or a Raymond Babbitt. Excuse me. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely going to go to Vegas. Definitely counting cards in your time in Vegas and in all the casinos. How frowned upon is it? Would would you guys oh. send out Rocco with a lead pipe to go bust some knees up in a back room or what? Back in the day when I first got hired at Caesars Palace in the late 90s, I heard they, they, some casinos still kind of did that. Uh, was probably not now. <laughs> There's just so many cameras there. Uh, it's very, very frowned upon. Uh, it still happens. I've seen it all the time. When I used to go into meetings when I worked there where they had – photographs and groups and they were panned out the pictures around. I don't know why idea why I had to see him because I was in the sports book, but it still happens all the time. But in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I've heard many fingers have been uh, dismembered. Just look at Lake Mead. They're probably float those fingers yeah. are probably floating on the top right now. So was that like a job you could apply for or do you have to be like vetted for that behind closed doors? Like if you want to be like Rocco with the lead pipe? Uh, no, I just think they expected that person that that was your job duty not only your job duty was to protect the table games and stuff like that but your job was also to make sure people know you don't do that because word gets out when you get when you break a finger or lose a finger word gets out who did it and when you see that person in the suit behind the table you don't do it well how obvious is it if someone's counting cards like is it obvious like I'm, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to help my guy Charlie I, out here. When I first started in the casino, I had no clue. But then when I learned and got to go in the surveillance room, the surveillance room was fantastic. They should do it just a TV show just on what goes on in the surveillance rooms and casinos. But why is it such an issue though? It's, it's 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 like you're just smart. Like why is that such a problem? Because you're just taking money from Vegas. Fake casinos and sportsbooks don't like to lose. Period. Well, it doesn't matter if they lose a die. That's what. That's all. It's all about that. I what? mean, they're going to get that money back if he wins in the table games. I'm sure he's going to put some money in slots, go see a show, go to get something to eat. But they do not like to lose not one dollar in any department. What do they do with the fingers? I'm saying they're probably floating around in Lake Mead right now, which is draining up, and it's either, Can they just toss sure them. I'm sure they toss them. Interesting. It's not like someone's like lucky rabbit foot, like someone's lucky finger that Rocco carries around. Hey, <laughs> hey Raph, before I let you go, entertainment uh, prop bets. I know you love your stuff. What have you been working on for uh, your wacky entertainment prop bets? I got this mixed boxing uh, stuff I'm working on. They're on the part of Jake Paul, uh, uh, his next fight. These guys I've never heard of. But someone asked me yesterday, requested me to do some The Voice odds. I'm going to put who's going to win. Winner's mentor is going to be John Lennon, Blake. Sheldon, I have no idea who Camila Cabello is, Gwen Stefani, so I got to do a whole bunch of stuff like oh, that. So did you say John Lennon? Uh, yeah, John Legend. Oh, Legend. I'm, like, Le- I'm, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure John Lennon's dead. Well, yeah, John Legend, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Raph, uh, speaking of John Lennon, but uh, you know where he's from, how about this for a prop bet? I just saw it flash up. Who will get Queen Elizabeth's inheritance, all her crown jewels? You should do something like that. I, I was thinking about doing stuff like that, but I Make used to do a long shot. I, used to, I did a whole bunch of odds back, back in the day about the, the Royals and all that, and I got a lot of bad stuff from William Hill over in Europe saying that, hey, you don't touch that kind of stuff. You're, so did you say, well, we fought a war? We fought a war and I had to listen to you, jabronis? Uh, uh, I heard, I, I've learned my lesson when I used to do a whole bunch of religious props when I would get weird, weird emails and how they found me and stuff like that. So I am very cautious about some certain stuff. The devil. Raphael, we love you, buddy. How can we find all your stuff? 
can find me on Twitter at VSI Doc Sports. You can also find me on Instagram at Rafael Esparza. Raf, you the man, and uh, can't wait to talk next Friday, and we'll be talking how Wisconsin shocked the world against Ohio State, okay? That'd be great because I hate the Ohio State what they've tortured me 18 years in Vegas. For <laughs> See you, Raphael. <laughs> See you, buddy. There he goes, our guy, Raphael, VSI Doc Sports on Twitter. Uh, good stuff. Raphael. Uh, he said it's going to be a laugher rowdy on Saturday. <laughs>